0: You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by AllWork.Space. We welcome Giovanni Palavici, real estate broker focused on the flexible workspace industry, president of the Global Workspace Association, and co-host of the Flex Uncensored podcast. Giovanni, welcome to the Future of Work podcast. I'm really excited to have you with us today and, and looking forward to our conversation. See, I've known you for about a decade—not quite a decade now, since about 2016—and um, you've been in the industry, in the flexible workspace industry, for 15, 16 years now, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, pr- I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's 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 exciting to be on with one of the Godfathers of the flexible workspace industry. So
0: uh, yeah, remember what happens to the Godfather, though. You know, it never ends well.
1: <laughs> well. Um. Well, I, again, I appreciate uh, you having me on, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little over ten years that I've been in the industry, and as as you and I were just talking about, we first crossed paths as I was leaving Regis after being on the real estate team for four and a half years, and um, it's 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 been great to see the industry continue growing and evolving, and having new players come come and go, right, and so uh, just excited to talk about what what what's currently going on in the industry and kind of the future and everything around it
0: well let, first let's define the industry so yeah. that everybody knows because our, our audience is quite broad uh, uh and everything so when we're talking about the flexible workspace industry in my definition at least you may have another one we're talking about two things first we're talking about all operators of space that combine people, place, and technology into a single bundled product that they deliver with a highly flexible service agreement. Would you agree that that defines the operator portion of our industry? Absolutely. Okay. And then I'll build on that and say that there are basically different brands of operators. There's the serviced office brand which has a brand promise of uh professional uh, image and services regis where you were as a good example of that there's the co-working brand which says uh, business growth through a collaborative community as a brand promise then you've got incubators which say all that both of those plus mentoring yeah you've got accelerators say yeah incubators plus access to capital and then you've got media centers culinary centers etc all these offshoots as well that's the operator side yep but that's not the whole industry the industry is the operators the service companies the agents and brokers the property companies and most importantly the customer yep so all of that is the flexible workspace industry that we're talking about in my opinion at least
1: yeah, no, without a doubt, and I mean, I think the, the the amazing part about it is the evolution of the product offering, right? Which is kind of what you just what you just mentioned is there's so many different ways to deliver uh, the flexible product out to the customer, right? And and the customer is is quickly becoming not just uh, a, a solopreneur, an entrepreneur but now it's a small to medium size and even on large enterprise company, but also the landlords, right? We're seeing more and more of the landlords buy into. And
0: they're, they're playing two roles, the property yeah. role and the operator role. It took them more and more now. That's yeah, been sure. going on for decades, but, but we're seeing it now as uh, shifting to, I won't say mainstream yet, mm-hmm. but uh, very much more so than it used to be. I agree.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's becoming a major part of... Uh, Every real estate provider's uh, offering, right? Because it it needs to be like, for example, I'm I'm in California right now. I'm in just south of of San Francisco and Silicon Valley, and I was out here touring with Bain and Company uh, yesterday. Uh, You know, they're looking at at flexible workspace offerings, whether it be in the flexible workspace um space within an operation or within a landlord's portfolio in spec suites right and that are going to be a little more turnkey but even even while driving around uh give you a great example that we've seen more and more of uh pop up is specialized offerings by operators and so there's a huge life science lab uh, community here right and so just right off the highway there's you know lab suites that offer people, the opportunity companies to, to have a space to go into and have office space and then utilize the lab space, which is so expensive.
0: Oh yeah. For... No, what walls, um, are, are hugely expensive. Yeah, You know, when you, when you, when you look at uh, any clinical type stuff, I know we're doing, uh, changing, uh, following on your, your lead for the, the issue, um, uh, of the expansion of the industry, we're doing a full, global, uh, not global, but US network, and uh, we've got about 2,000 different uh, practicing uh, psychologists Yeah. Uh, into a single structured network now that, that is is emerging. And so all variety of people, I think, are going to exactly what you have plastered on your forehead, flex. Yeah. Flex. And, and we could say, oh, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, you'd say any, every good company needs two things a great product and access to capital. Yep. Those two things you can be successful today. You would say, yeah, that, but they gotta have flexibility too. The times, the acceleration of change back and forth or the cyclical nature of business, uh, has accelerated to the degree of flex, without flexibility, you will not succeed even with those two core components.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, talent—the talent, talent pool—is requiring the flexibility, right? It's—I I give the example of, you know, people have the conversation of, you know, COVID d- dynamically changed how we worked, right? Because that we was, the
0: talent pool was demanding that before COVID. Well, and that's what I was getting. That's gonna amazing amazing when the big fight for talent started.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the examples I give are two things. One, right, the laptop that that I'm recording on—I don't know if that's what you're using. But also our, our cell phones, right? And the fact that there was a time where you had to go to an office and plug into the wall for your sure. computer, right? And once you stop having to plug into the wall for your computer, no one's going to go back and be like, "Oh, I need to plug into the wall," right? Same thing with our phones, yep. as landlines are now kind of a thing of the past. But the same thing goes with uh, this flexible workspace that that people, the flexibility, the hybrid model that people. Uh, were able to experience going into COVID, but also coming out of COVID is, you know, I tell people being Hispanic, uh, it's the first time that I've seen in the U.S. people find a work-life balance um, like they never had before, right? Because they were able to wake up in the morning, do their workouts, do their, their reading, walk their kids to school, do different things that before, especially, I mean, here in California, people were driving an hour, two hours, two and a half hours oh, really? to work each way, right? And so the flexible hybrid model has allowed for people to be more efficient, to be more productive in a lot of ways. But there's still a need to, to go into an office and plug in with people and have community and and build a, a culture, right? Well,
0: I I think you know human beings are gregarious. Otherwise, we wouldn't have tribes and yeah. nations, and you know would be borderless people. Uh, so we, we, we do like to be around others and we like to be bound around others that are like us. And I would posit that before you used to say, oh, I, I want to go and find a good co-working or business center uh, that is near this, has these amenities and has this and has that and uh, it, location is good or whatever. Yeah. And today, I, I think it's not where you work in a co-working or business center, but it's who you work with. Mm -hmm. Who who are your peers in that center so that you can be part of a community? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot more selection criteria. And I know that uh, in interviews that we've done and work research that we've done, we see that at least half of the people uh, and and, uh, over to Alliance Virtual are servicing about 180,000 clients. And about half of the inquiries that we get they've been on our facebook page. Yep. They've come to see who we are as a company operationally, not just what our ads say and this and that. And I think that's true of everybody that makes an inquiry now of every business and coworking center in the world. They check out what's happening there, not just where is it. And I think that that's a very important change.
1: Yeah. No, I mean it's I tell people it's as much about the operator Uh, interviewing the potential member as it is the other way around, right? Is we're trying to build community. We're trying to build, like you you use the word tribe. I love that word, right? We're trying to build a tribe and there's some people, some spaces that just don't overlap and, and correlate with each other. And so it's just a matter of finding a space that is basically speaks to what you're trying to, to, to do. I mean, you gave a great example is, uh, therapists and counselors, right? They, they need quiet space. They need privacy. They need those things. And so traditionally they've gone into a lot of executive suites, right? With the hard walls, hard doors, but a lot of places, a lot of those places aren't necessarily conducive to privacy, right?
0: Well, the the issue there is the the reception area because a lot of these are family practice. Yep. Well, you've got to have a specialized reception structure, that isn't compatible with, it wouldn't be compatible with me. I don't want a bunch of kids in my reception area. Forget right. Um, So, you know, there is that element, too, of specialization within a, a customer base is, is, is how it works uh, overall. But what changes beyond the landlord, the property companies playing a bigger role? And I think that's driven by three things. First, vacancy factors. They don't have any other tenants. Uh, second, jealousy. They want the money that I W G is making off of their space. They don't want I W G to profit off them anymore. And I'll use I W G instead of WeWork because we you know WeWork never profited o- overall. And a recognition. And I, I had this pointed out to me years ago in the '90s. I was at a meeting, and and and, and there was all the big wigs. I was just a punk kid. It was the, the '90s. Wasn't really a kid, but I was. I was the youngest guy at the meeting, and I'm sitting there with Jerry Hines and Sam Zell and, and, yeah. and a couple of others, uh, Trammell Crow, and they they asked Zell, "Hey Sam, why do you have these smart suites?" Because I don't know if you you probably don't remember or not Zell when it was Equity Office Properties had 58 centers, and they're called smart suites in each yep. of his buildings, and he built them. He built them himself, himself. And he said, and I think this is what the landlords are recognizing now. This is the third component there. He said, I want to be able to service the entire life cycle of my customer. 100%. Okay. And all the other guys went, Oh, yeah, but they're so small. He says, I don't care.
1: Yeah. I, I, that's
0: what I want to be able to do. And I think that's what a lot of property companies are recognizing now that they can service the full life cycle profitably and with more stability than they can just getting another law firm as a tenant. Uh, and I, I I think that they're they're going through that change right now. And the reason they can do that is that the asset managers of the lenders or the financial institutions behind them are now allowing it, where yeah. 20 years ago they wouldn't allow it. You had to be someone of, of Zell's stature to, to be able to convince them that you're going to take a full floor and and mess with it. And I think that that's a big difference also that is going to allow the flex space industry to grow materially.
1: Well, there's so many things that have changed, right? I mean, for to begin with, you just mentioned the life cycle of a tenant. The life cycle of a tenant is significantly less than it used to be right? I mean, so five, seven, 10 year leases aren't the same as they were back then, right? A, a company can go from cradle to grave in, you know, in that five to seven year period, right? Or cradle so,
0: to unicorn.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I mean, and then that's that's part of it. They've either been merged. there's been a merger, they've been uh, acquired, they've gone out of business. And so, you know, I tell people, you know, I think we're going to get to the point where people, uh, companies are signing leases for a building and will expand and contract within a building as opposed to signing leases for a specific space. Right. And so we're seeing that where landlords are starting to go, okay, we need to be able to have, and I'm just going to give an example, right? Executive suites on the, or really community space on the first floor with conference facilities, executive suites, some type of smart or spec suite comp component that plays off, then they're going to have, call it uh, the quarter of a floor, half a floor and full floor and multiple floor options. And so people are going to be able to grow within within a building, right? So that was a big part of it. Um, in the past, when we had letterhead and all these things that we don't have as much of today, it was inconvenient for a company to, to, to move a lot, whether it be within a building or you know, mm-hmm. change addresses altogether. And now everything's digital. So it's not as much of a hassle to do those things. And so that those things have shifted, right? The overall life cycle of a company, number one. Number two, back then, like we mentioned earlier, you had to plug in to a wall, whether it be your laptop, your phone, all those things. And so you had those things that that hindered that that convenience, but also the fact that back then people were all going to one central hub and spoke location if you will so there was one central place where employees went well now you know it's kind of flipped around right where, where more people want an office closer to home so the suburbs the spokes have become more of the hubs and then there is a central place where people go to build culture to have community you know um, to have big meetings but for the most part people want to be off officing close to, you know, call it 10 to 15 minutes from their home. Right. And so, <laughs> you
0: know, it's funny when when we first started building what were then called executive suites, uh, we were building buildings. Yeah. And we built buildings across the southwestern U.S., California, Arizona and Texas between 80 and 90. And we were unsure of ourselves and and wanted to impress our financial partner so we had a big marketing study
1: okay
0: done and the only thing i remember from that you know book that they gave us was uh tenants want to live there are two things tenants want to live uh uh, five minutes from their home and 30 minutes from their customer not 30 minutes from their home and five minutes from their customer okay i remember that the other thing i was doing is the decision makers live on the the curvy streets the non-decision makers live on the straight streets. Pick your, pick your side accordingly. That was that was the sum total of our, our, our output from this ridiculously expensive study that we had done. But it's true. Those two things are really true. They're as true today, maybe even more so uh, because of the value of time than they were back in 1980. Uh, and so I, I think your, your point about selection, flexibility uh, is uh, absolutely right on. And I don't think it's changing. We we said back in sixteen seventeen area that there are no there's no such thing as an occupier anymore. Yep. There are only travelers. There are only travelers. And I would even blow up the the spoken hub concept a little bit. And I would look at it more as a scatter graph uh, yeah. that, that has natural. Um, uh, magnetic points around it based on management or based on talent or based on a customer. Yeah. Um, I think that that is probably more what we're going towards in the future of work uh, as opposed to the classic hub and spoke.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you where I, I found the most success when I joined Regis was most of the Regis team, the real estate team were either former corporate in-house people or they were office brokers, right? And my background's mm-hmm. retail. So, you know, we're, we're essentially a retailer that happens to go in an office setting, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, back to your point of the occupier is really a consumer now, right? And so-
0: oh, you No, know there's no occupier, That's only travelers. Yeah. And and travelers, what, what's the, mo- who has treated travelers for centuries, innkeepers and hotels? Okay. So the hospitality aspect yep. of that, which goes along with hanging out with people like yourself, I stay in a certain type of hotel because people at that hotel are kind of like me and I'm comfortable there. Yep. There's a community, uh, model, uh, hotels have had community models and inns have had that, that type of a model for centuries. So we're really travelers and a, as operators replicating a hospitality system as a product.
1: For sure.
0: That delivers instead of beds and and clean sheets, we deliver office space and uh, bandwidth,
1: Yeah,
0: you know, uh, but it's still a service business. In my view, it's more than anything else. We are a service industry. Yeah, we're we're real estate dependent, like a hotel or a restaurant is uh, to provide our services. But still, I think we we remain a service industry.
1: Yeah, and i i use the i use the Bonvoy model all the time, right? Is I mean, do you remember when Marriott was just Marriott, right? Now they've mm-hmm. got thirty five plus brands, right? Yep. Depending, choose your own adventure, depending on what it is that you're looking for, right? And you're even starting to see some overlap on uh, brand offerings, right? Ooh, yeah. so, You know, you've got like if I look at Bonvoy and people say, well, what's their luxury line? And I'm like, well, they have the Ritz Carlton, which is super bougie. They have the Four Seasons, which is a little more laid back. Then they have their Autograph, which is more boutique and uh, and a little more eclectic. But but again, those are three luxury brands. I'm an an Autograph
0: guy. I like small boutique stuff Um, much more than the larger institutional. Even the even the Ritz is too institutional
1: yeah um, and even if you look at like the limited service right we'll use a courtyard by Marriott right mm-hmm. which is meant to be uh, to target call it the 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 more uh blue collar maybe light white collar yeah well, that created
0: or efficient quality I guess would be yeah. better saying it
1: well, now they've created the AC Hotel, which is essentially meant for the business traveler, which is essentially about the same price point, but it's got a different finish out. So more of the white collar professional people stay there. And so, you know, it's just interesting to see that overall product um, evolution and, and offering, right? As as more and more people are using the space and are needing different things, you know, going back to the counselor, right? I mean, I, I work with a group called Therapy uh, Space that does only therapy uh mm-hmm. and counseling spaces, right? Mm-hmm. So they take very close attention to the lobby area where, like you said, uh people are waiting. And um typically it's a larger area because if you've got 25 offices, there's potentially you've got anywhere between you know 25 to 40 people that are waiting to see those counselors every hour, right? So yep. it's got to be a larger space. And and so, they're all
0: crazy by the way.
1: They're all crazy. Yeah. And so you have to count for it differently than if you are in a space that's, you know, professionally driven towards a CPA or a lawyer or yep. a technology provider or anything else.
0: No, no, that's absolutely right. You know, when you talk about multi-brands, translating back to the flex industry, uh, a company that you used to work for has made a major transition to a multi-brand company as part of their business. Uh, overarching strategy since about 16 or 17, 2016 or 17. And that's IWG. Yeah. Uh, We talked about Regis. Well, that's just one now of about 10 brands under that umbrella now. Uh, They are destined to become the Starwood or the Marriott, multi-brand Marriott, I think more like Starwood, actually, um, um, of our industry. And they don't seem to uh, care uh in a negative or a positive way it it doesn't matter to them which brand um they're promoting so long as the brand sticks with its promise to the consumer uh, overall um and uh we were talking earlier about franchise and franchise groups Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing Uh, the um, United franchise now has three separate brands each of which were independent prior to that each of which are still operating independently but they meet different needs both geographically and uh, I won't say service quality, but service type. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that makes perfect sense. Um, uh, and I, I don't know whether that or a landlord driven brand that says uh, take uh, equity office properties that owns uh, uh, business, uh, excuse me, office quarters, office, uh, uh, not office quarters. I'm, I'm going blank here. Um, the office company, the office company, yeah. office group. um, in the UK, that's a single brand, but they have blended their development to say, well, when we're in this type of neighborhood, we'll match that neighborhood. When we're in another neighborhood, we'll match that neighborhood yeah. where the brand says we are neighborhood centric, cosmetically and structurally, but we only have one category of service and that's a four star plus service. So that's a, an interesting way to deal with a multi-brand requirement while sustaining a single structure.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it all goes back to the hospitality deployment, right? I mean, ultimately that's what you're trying to achieve. I mean, I'll give you a great example. Um, I stayed in AC just last week in Southern Florida when I was out there. And I kid you not, I was 15 feet from the door and I could already smell the AC hotel. Right, because they have a scent. Yeah, it goes with the AC. If you go to the west, and there's a different scent. If you go to the courtyard, and so the idea is, you know, using sense and using our sensory uh, ability to connect things, there they've created those things on purpose, right? And so the goal is, when you go to Regis, you know what you're going to get in a Regis, right? If I go to Spaces, I know what I'm going to get in a Spaces. If I go to Regis Express in the in, in Europe or Asia, I know what that's going to look like. And so that's the idea is to create a brand offering that enables the end user, the traveler, if you will, to know what they're going to get when they're there. Right. Everything well, the
0: and that, that's important. You know, so many companies, large companies um, uh, will, or smaller companies in particular, um, in the surf flexible office industry, you might say somebody that owns three to five centers. Mm-hmm. They say, Oh, my brand this, my brand that. And you look at them and say, you know, nobody outside of your neighborhood knows who you are. You don't have a brand. You you might have a good reputation, but you don't have a brand yet. Yep. Uh, uh, now they're working on building their reputation up and, and and everything to the point where one day they may have a brand. Uh, but so, so much brand discussion is really a reputation discussion or should be uh, terminology-wise as opposed to someone like IWG or, or Regis that really does, or we work for better or worse, that really does have a, a brand uh, and something that they, they stand for uh, overall. What, what changes, you know, as, as, as you pull out a crystal ball and look into the next five years... We've talked about property companies what other changes do you see that um you think are material not so much to the operators in the industry but maybe to the customers using the industry the clients uh what do you see as major trends that for the customer coming forward
1: yeah so i think those things overlap right but because let's start from a capital market standpoint is we're getting buy-in from a capital market standpoint right now. Where before, you know, if you looked at apartments or self-storage or things like that, it was customary to do a one-year lease, and so the the overall valuation of those was easily done. As opposed to office lenders and landlords, owners, investors have looked at it as five, seven, ten-year leases, right? And so, so that's not
0: country. And in countries in Europe, it's ten and fifteen-year leases. Yeah
1: right so we're going to see more and more of that buy-in right so that buy-in what it's going to do and how it affects the the customer the traveler if you will is the fact that there's going to be more and more options right there's going to be more and more buy-ins you're going to have i mean if you land but you continue to use the hotels as an example if i land in an airport we'll call it san francisco airport and i look up hotels how many hotels pop up i'm gonna get 50 to 75 that pop up right different brands different offerings, different price points. So we're going to see more and more of that evolution, right? So the customer is going to have more of an option as to what kind of product they want. Exactly. Um, So that that's going to be one side, right? The second part is the overall buy-in by the enterprise occupier community, right? I mean, they're going to be all looking great example, right? Is I I use Bain and company as an example, which I toured with, well, they've got 80,000 feet to service their 700 plus employees in the Bay Area, right? And so that's their their hub, if you will, or their, their primary place to congregate. But they recognize that they need a small footprint in Silicon Valley, right? And so they're looking at a flex opera opportunity there whether it be within an operation or within a landlord's portfolio in a spec suite or turn key space right and so that's that's a great example where large companies are using uh the flex component to service their entire uh organization right and their their greater um, asset right a- asset offering and ability to, to to plug in and sell right because it it They've got to bring the talent in, number one. But number two, they also have to service the client.
0: Could could we say that the industry in about 2017, 18, 19 became strategic to its users as opposed to tactical?
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, it's convenience driven, right? That's what the whole business is.
0: Flex driven. Convenient flex is convenience. Correct you know, uh, and, and, and everything, but I, I do think we have become as an industry strategic. Um, where do you think that's, that's, I won't say stops, but plateaus. Cause I don't think we're at a plateau yet at all.
1: No, I mean, I think it continues evolving. Right. And then just going back to the retail model, for example, is, you know, that's very strategic, right? Typically, you know, the problem back to your tactical versus strategic before it was really easy for someone to say, Hey, we're going to put a location in the middle of a business park or near other office space. Well, now the strategy changes of you want to be closer to the, to the rooftops, you want to be closer to retail and amenitization. Um, and so those things evolve and shift now that you're looking at things from a more strategic standpoint of If I'm looking to build a network, right? If I'm looking to build different offerings, I have to be very strategic as to where I'm putting locations and how they affect my ability to grow a network because that's ultimately what we're selling, right? That's what you do so well with Alliance is you've got uh, different operators and product types that are basically in your network. And so when people are traveling, they're able to use different spaces as needed, whether it be, they need conference space, they need a day office, they need, you know, space for, you know, longer than, than a day, right? They're gonna be traveling and they need somewhere for a week or two. Um, so that's the goal is how do we create an overall network that people can tap into? And so that has to be very strategic, right? Where's your competition? How's your competition different than you? Um, and overall, how does your overall strategic uh, growth play
0: out. You, you, you bring up a, b- a bad image to me of that movie, Anywhere, Everything, Everything, Anywhere, All the Time. And I'm going, oh, no, not Sausage Fingers. Uh, but, but that really is what you're talking about. Uh, you, and, and that's what you have. The, the one thing that I think our industry or one of the things I think our industry is missing to allow that to occur is something that you had when you were looking for a hotel in your recent travel. Yep. When you looked at a booking site, hotels.com, booking.com Expedia, which you probably looked at rather than just AC only. Right. Um, there is this little thing called one, two, three, four, five stars. Yep. There was a grading system. There was a system that the, booking engines were big enough and powerful enough to push on to the inventory, the hotels or vice versa. Yeah. Um, um, and they decided as a group that this would help all of them get the right customer in the right place more easily and would make more revenue and sales for everybody. And the flexible workspace industry absolutely lacks that. Right. Uh, There've been a couple of attempts, but, um, th- there, has no, there has been no industry-wide initiative on a global basis uh, or even on a national basis to effectively do that. So I think that's one thing as we look forward that we should all consider and say, how do we come together to do that overall on, a, on an overarching basis? It's good for everybody. Same with price transparency is good for everybody. You made part of your decision on a hotel, Based on oh, I know that brand, I can see where they are, and they're at the right price point because hotels go up and down. They're at the right price point today. Yeah, dy- dynamic pricing. Yeah, um, all of those things are still to come in the flexible workspace industry. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I think transparency is a big part. You mentioned it, right? And you know, you're you're obviously a big part of, of the community. Have been for a long time. But as you look at alliances, as you look at juicy, as you look at GWA, as you look at the flex uh, groups that are in Europe and other places, the problem is everyone's having the same conversation, right? Is how do we create one place that people can go to, right? I mean, like, for example, the great example for hotels is the star report. I can, I can buy a star report and I know exactly where my competition is. I know what their occupancy is on average. I know what their uh, rack rate is. We don't have that in our industry. And a big part of it is so many people think that they've got some secret sauce, right? Like if they, if they share it all of a sudden, you know, they're going to lose, they're going to lose their competitive edge. Right. I still remember when
0: in right. the, in 96, when Pegasus reestablished that structure in the hotel industry yeah. and orbits was developed and Sabre was developed in the nineties and et cetera, all that transparency came around and the hotel uh, and airline industries blossomed. Yeah. So we have a model to look at and a goal that will help everybody uh, overall, including the customer, most importantly, the customer. It's mm-hmm. something that we should probably do. Anyway, I was gonna say, we're, we're running long on time here. And I think we could drag this out for another two hours if we wanted to. Uh, um, so uh, one, one last question. If you were to make one overarching forecast for the next three to five years for the flexible workspace industry, what would that be? And then, how do people reach you if they want to to find out more about it?
1: Perfect. So, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see uh, consolidation and uh, acquisitions. I mean, we. We mentioned UFG and VAST, which is what they've created, has VentureX Office Evolution, now Intelligent Office under it. You've got IWG that has obviously Regis Spaces, um, Regis Signature. They've got all kinds of under there, but we're going to continue to see that, right? So I think you'll see more of that consolidation. I think at some point here, and we saw uh, Starwood, And we've seen Blackstone give Regis a run in the past Mm -hmm. to try to create that, right? So I think you're gonna get real estate providers that continue figuring this out from a landlord standpoint, right? Um, And we've seen investments by Brookfield and some of the bigger groups and Convene and Industrious. Um, So that's another one. I think you're gonna get the landlords involved more and more, Um, you're gonna get the private equity groups involved. And then the service providers, we're still looking for them to figure out what's going on, right? The Cushmans, the CBREs, uh, the JLLs are all trying to figure that out, right? So there's going to be more and more buy-in from that standpoint. Um, And they're at some point going to figure out how to create some of these brands. You know, there's been some failed attempts by CBRE with HANA and some other stuff. But I think there's going to be more and more buy-in so that you do have large uh, providers. I mean, right now you've got iwg we work and now number three i mean who would have guessed that ufg and vast would be number three with 190 plus locations right um and so i think you're going to continue to create that that consolidation of, of brand offerings just like you've seen starwood and bonvoy do um so i think that's that's a big one um and so it's going to take buy-in from everyone right including the landlords, investors, the lenders. Um, the so
0: entire right. industry structure. Correct. All five of those components. No, I would I would agree with that. I think consolidation uh, and growth through acquisitions and brand expansion, extension, I'll say, yep. um, are, are the two ways that we'll, we'll see that happen, whether it's roll-ups or pure acquisitions. Um, uh, it'll be both, ultimately. I, I would agree with you on that major element coming on. And the industry is maturing and starting to attract capital at a variety of levels, not just at the largest level. And I think that's exciting. Giovanni, where would people and how would somebody reach you if they wanted to talk more about the industry?
1: Yeah. So again, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been an honor and, and a privilege. Uh, but best places to get a hold of me. I mean, I'm, I'm super active on LinkedIn. I post AllWorks articles all the time. Um, but you can find me easily on LinkedIn and I constantly, uh, post stuff, uh, you can go to my website, fronterisre.com. Um, and then, you know, I'm excited to get you on the, we're going to have you on the Flex Uncensored podcast here in the next few weeks. So super excited to get you on, um, and, and dive into kind of your background and all that.
0: I'll trim trim my beard a little bit if I'm going to be, uh.
1: No, you, you, you look, you look great just the way you are, but I mean, again, I, I love just interacting with people and just hearing kind of what people are seeing in different capacities and and offering uh, what it is I'm seeing, right? And I think that's the beauty of of your open, uh, transparent uh, personality, along with other people in the industry is there has to be more open collaboration where we're not holding things so close to the vest, if you will, where we're able to collaborate and give information at the same time as get it. And so I'm happy to have any discussions with anyone that wants to reach Perfect.
0: out. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for uh, participating today. We're really grateful for it and we'll look forward to uh, hearing more from you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Take care, Giovanni. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of
1: Work podcast by allwork.space.